Welcome to Fake Redhead Talking Fast, the podcast where you can hear an opinionated Scot slash share her thoughts. I'm Cassie, the fake redhead in question, and let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Fake Redhead Talking Fast. And this is the first edition of two Fake Redheads Talking Fast, because everyone welcome my mother, the original Fake Redhead. Hello. Mother, hello. Well, hello. Um, Mum, it's so nice to have you on. By way of explanation, what colour is your hair and why? Ooh, now I would say maybe vermilion is possibly what we would go with. Mm-hmm. I think I want you to, in fact, when I'm out and about on my scooter or in my wheelchair. Yeah, when we say scooter, we mean electric. Yeah, motorbike scooter. <laughs> I want you to imagine um, Ariel the Mermaid having discovered that legs ain't all they're cracked up to be. And people wonder where I get it from. So, Mum, the median length for these episodes is about 17 minutes, so that's what it's been coming out as. Do you think that is enough time to encapsulate how you feel about Emily Bronte's, one of her most well-known works, Wuthering Heights? Ooh, I could give it a good try. Excellent. So before we get into our questions, give me a brief indication of your feelings towards Wuthering Heights. Of course, Cassie. Oh my goodness. I absolutely hate it. Cracking. Let's get on with it. So before we begin, I'm going to put out a similar rider that I did for Charlotte Bronte last week. People be having opinions. Opinions differ. Literature's nice like that. So be nice to my mum. So can you give me a brief overview of Wuthering Heights? Okay. Right. Wuthering Heights basically um, is is kind of almost in two parts. You deal with the first generation, which is Cathy and Heathcliff. Mm -hmm. But then actually the bulk of the story goes into the second generation, Mm -hmm. which is um, their respective children. And and the long and short of it is it's, it's a big mess of vendetta and obsession and idiots basically smashing as all classical works of literature are um so tracing this hatred back when did you first read wuthering heights i was trying to think about this the other day and i think i definitely came to it as an adult Mm -hmm. it was one of those ones where i thought i I should probably read this because it's a classic Mm -hmm. and you know that you feel like you gotta should, do it. Yeah, you feel like you gotta do it. And then I think it was at the time that you were reading Louise Renison's Wuthering Tights. Withering Tights. Withering Tights. Oh, excellent book. And I thought, oh, she's gonna want to read Wuthering Heights next. I should probably check it out in case it's not all right for her. Mm. And so you would have been what about nine? Oh, I would have. Oh, maybe a little bit older, but yeah, around about there. So Between the ages of like nine and twelve. Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a few years back, but definitely it read as an adult. Mm-hmm. And then you revisited it for this, didn't you? I did, I did, because I I remember hating it, and <laughs> and I thought maybe I should give it the benefit of the doubt, like food you don't like. Yep, and 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 refresh my memory so that we could talk about it. And what I did was I couldn't be bothered reading it all again. That just said felt like too much. Then you have to own it again. Exactly. So I I listened to the audiobook version um the other night. And yes, I still hate it. Smashing. Because that gives us something to chat about. Yes. Um what was your first indication that you wouldn't like it? I think right at the very, very, very beginning, right? 
the first character that you're introduced to is actually he starts off as the storyteller but then it ends up having the story told to hit to him and he basically is totally self-absorbed selfish and and he invites himself to the house of people who have made it very clear that he's not welcome mm-hmm. he he goes there on a really bad weather day so that he ends up having to stay the invites himself to stay the night oh. but is cross because he's he's not being made welcome and at this point you think really this is a bad start. <laughs> sets the tone, doesn't it? This sets the tone. You told me this the other day in preparation for this podcast, and it was like, I spent the whole time just in utter awe that this is classic. But anyway, um, what is it about it that you hate the most? I think what I hate the most, um, as a mother of daughters... Because mm-hmm. you have two of us. Because I have two of you. What I hate the most is that it feeds into... This idea that um, Heathcliff is portrayed as a tragic romantic hero, uh-huh. right? And he's not. He's an obsessive psychopath. Okay. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And it feeds into this, you know, girls like bad boys. Ooh. We can help them. We can mm. fix them. We can redeem them. I'm different. And it, and I will, I'm, it, all he needs is the love of a, yeah. a good woman. And it is utter rubbish. Yep. And it's dangerous. Now, I was very, very fortunate. Yes. I was extremely fortunate. I have a lovely father. Shout who, out to Grandpa. Shout out to Grandpa. I have a lovely, kind, gentle, caring father. I then married... Shout out to your father. Shout out to my father. I yes. then married a lovely, kind, gentle, caring husband. And... I think these two things are interlinked. I think I mean, if you yes. have one, you're more likely to... Especially since she then went on to raise a really lovely, gentle, kind, caring son. Exactly. And it worries me, and it, it makes me angry, mm-hmm. that this is... He is portrayed as a romantic hero, and and girls are like, oh, he's so mean and moody and lovely, and it's, it's the like... It's brooding! It's the brooding! No, no, these men... Are dangerous and they will not change, and your life will be miserable. Oh, it'll be so bad. And I think that's I think that's why it makes me so angry. Mm -hmm. Um, particularly from the viewpoint of a a mother. Yeah. Does do you does it have any redeeming features for you? Is there anything that you can point to it and go like, actually, yeah, I that that excuses some things. Not really. If I mean, if I if I'm pushed, if I'm absolutely pushed, her use of language is good. Mm, we said this the other day when we were talking about it. it. You know, it's bad when you're actually getting down into what the story is made of. Exactly, exactly. Like, I think and the there carrots is, yeah. in this are delicious. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like you know, haven't you got lovely hair? You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just you know. Yes, her use of language is lovely. There's some beautiful stuff. It really describes the the moors, and and you get mm. a real feeling of of the the bleak. She would have been a smashing desolate. travel writer. Exactly, exactly. Um, but that's about it, really. I'm afraid. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Um, the characters obviously you have very strong opinions towards. Um, Heathcliff is the one we've heard most of, um, from you about. Any other characters? Are any of them bearable? <laughs> Do you know? 
I don't think there's a single sympathetic character. Oi. Although, actually, no, I tell you, like, towards the end, you do start to root for a character and it's not one you would expect. Um, but, yeah, the, none of them come out of this very well. Um, to start with, you've got... Um, well, Heath, Heathcliff is an orphan child found um, by Cathy's father mm-hmm. and brought home um, to be cared for. And Cathy and her brother, Cathy forms a very close bond with him. Her brother is very jealous of him. Okay. Yeah. And then when her, when her father dies, her brother becomes abusive because he's then the mm. family head. And he becomes very abusive of Heathcliff and by extension of Cathy because of their bond. Yeah. So they have this... So they, right they form from the, that trauma they, bond. They form they? a trauma bond, which, you know, is understandable. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. You know, totally understandable. And the fact that they then go on to have emotional problems. You can see where it you all can, stems from. Yeah. Um, so, so that's not a great start. So, and then, but Heathcliff is just not a nice character right from the beginning. He's, he's mm. um, and then Kathy meets... Edgar Linton, who you feel you should find a sympathetic character, yeah, who you, you want feel to root because for him. he is nice to her and he's a nice man and all the rest of it. And hasn't Heathcliff like bogged off by this point? Yeah, he's gone off to make his fortune or whatever. Um, but in actual fact, Edgar Linton is an unbearable snob, <laughs> and he and when Heathcliff does come back, he treats him like, um, he should be kept in the kitchen because mm-hmm. he's you know because of his origin. He's lower, you know, and so, and um, when Cathy's ill Heathcliff she's not quite the same after that and mm. he he cares for her out of duty yeah. um so even the characters you feel should be sympathetic aren't mm-hmm. and then comes along Edgar's sister ah yes Isabella who also lives with them and she falls in love with Heathcliff somehow somehow she thinks he's all mean and moody and she can redeem him all he needs mm. is love etc he hangs her dog in front of her trigger warning (laughs) and she still is in love with him and wants to marry him he tells her repeatedly that he hates her Mm -hmm. and and loves kathy but she still wants to marry him so he marries her i mean that in itself it's like why (laughs) she is then surprised when he treats her abominably and she's miserable we just oh all the shock yeah and all yeah and he constantly tells her that he hates her and she can leave. But in actual fact, she can't leave because he's, she's not even allowed out on mm-hmm. her own. Um, so he tells her she can leave anytime she wants, but in actual fact, it's not as easy as that. And yeah. when she does eventually leave him, when she does eventually manage to run away, he is furious he goes, because he owns her. Yeah, because this feeds into um, something we'll discuss a little bit later about Heathcliff's character himself. Yeah. Exactly. Um so yeah, she she runs away, and Heathcliff just continues to basically stalk Kathy, oh. and upset the, the everything. Bal- upset everything, upset any chance she has of happiness. Even though he's told continually that he has to leave her alone because he is actually making her unhappy mm-hmm. and making her ill. Yeah. But no, no, no. Kathy loves me, and Kathy It'll be needs other me, fault and it's that she's it's upset. him that's making her ill. All the rest of it. So then. As as happened in these times, Cathy mm-hmm. dies in childbirth. Of course. Yeah. And Ed, um, Heathcliff totally blames Edgar Linton. I mean, okay. It's completely his fault that Cathy died. 
and he goes i mean he's already pretty loopy but he goes completely off the, the spectrum and his whole point reason for living becomes vengeance vengeance against edgar edgar linton and taking everything that edgar mm. linton has so the baby that's born at this time they also call kathy because you know that will definitely go well exactly and also um kathy's older brother who is um earnshaw the the the, the master Kurt of earnshaw. the master of wuthering heights he owns oh, wuthering yeah. heights um, his wife also dies in childbirth, and they <laughs> have. There's a lot of it around. Yeah, exactly, and they have Hareton Earnshaw. But when 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 his wife dies in childbirth, he just starts drinking and gambling and loses all his money. Mm-hmm. So when Heathcliff comes back, he's made his fortune. He buys Wuthering Heights off of him. Yeah. Um. So, there you've got Kathy being brought up a spoiled brat by this is nurses and Kathy two point Kathy miniature, yeah. and um. You've got Hareton, who once his father dies, Heathcliff treats like a servant. It's basically brought up feral, isn't it? Yeah, he's brought up completely feral. He can't read and write, and he's treated like a servant. Fast forward a few years, when they're about ten, it just it they find out that Heathcliff has a son because ah, uh, with his runaway wife. Yeah, with his runaway wife, who has now died. Oh, that's fun. Sorry. <laughs> who, who then dies? Because so you know Edgar Linton goes and brings this child to to his house to bring up. But Heathcliff feels he owns this child. This is mm-hmm. his child, and he will be his heir. Yes. And so he takes, comes straight away and takes him to Wuthering Heights, and constantly tells him how much he hates him, but he is very pampered and very yeah. cared for. He's a sickly child. <laughs> He's consumptive, but he is completely self-absorbed, manipulative, and we get the the same thing again. It, Kathy thinks it's the history repeating yeah. itself. Kathy then thinks, all he needs is love to make him happy. I can fix him. I can help him. And he is he completely manipulates her. Mm-hmm. He manipulates her to the point that he allow he enables Heathcliff to kidnap her. Yeah. To make them marry. Mm-hmm. Her father's dying. She wants to go back to see Edgar Linton before he dies. He says, "You have to marry my son before I'll let you go." She he married. She marries. She manages to escape to see her father, at which point Heathcliff makes his son sign over everything to him in his will. So he then controls everything. Everything Edgar Linton owns is now his. Listener, I wish you could see my mother's hand gestures. It's just... Right, and you go, right, okay, you've got what you wanted. Now what are you going to do? And so he's, he, he makes Kathy come and live with them at Wuthering Heights mm-hmm. and treats her abominably. They all treat her abominably. And Hareton lives there as well, and he's like a feral. But he dotes on Kathy, and he wants her to accept him. But she is so snobbish that she treats him. him like dirt. And he tries, to, he tries to learn to read to impress her, and she makes a fool of him. Mm-hmm. And is really horrible to him. So he's horrible to her. Yeah. And she's surprised by this. <laughs> Play stupid games, yeah. win stupid prizes. Yeah. Heathcliff's son then dies. Of course. But he won't let Kathy go. He Kathy has to stay it's there the because he now thing. owns her. Yeah. But now that he owns everything that belonged to Edgar Linton and he feels like he's he's got his own back, he 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 is not happy. He is not happy because he is not a happy person. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? He is not within himself exactly. a happy person. And he discovers that vengeance revenge is 
empty. It's all been for now. It's all been for nothing. So he basically gives up and he stops eating mm-hmm. and he dies. <laughs> a hero's way to go a out. A hero's way to go. He starves himself to death. I mean, that's classy, isn't it? And Kathy realises that there's hidden oh, niceness hidden in depth. In, hidden depth in Ayrton inherent in Earnshaw and teaches him to read and, and it all he becomes actually, very Beauty and the Beast yeah and he actually although he's been treated abominably all his life has a good heart and forgives Heathcliff and treats Heathcliff with respect and, mm-hmm. and is, is caring and loving to Cathy and is actually the one person that at the end of it all you go maybe yeah, it okay, could have all been worth it maybe it's been worth it but whoa you know you come out of it feeling traumatised yeah it is I mean, I, Mum, my next question is, is it a good book you don't like or is it a bad book? I but don't know. It's... For me, I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me a good book is something that you as a reader feel you get a little bit of payout for because I think some authors get so caught up in the integrity to the storytelling, the integrity to yeah. realism, yeah. that they forget that readers read for a little bit of escapism and exactly. just a little bit of fun. And if you've invested that much time and effort and especially doing you know, old English words, you want a nice payoff. Yeah. I don't feel there's any payoff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have, like, Jane Austen, for instance. Yes. You spoke about Northanger Abbey the yes. other week. And she has that sort of tongue-in-cheek... It's kind very of satirical. ...satirical look at this melodramatic gothic mm-hmm. genre. This is the melodramatic gothic genre that she is yeah. satirising. I mean, don't quote us on our time scale here, but, you know, you know the broader term. Yeah. This is totally melodramatic there is no kind of side eye look at it it's just yeah there is no humor in this there is no humor there is no side eye it is total melodrama every now and again it toys with being a ghost story but it doesn't even have the strength of its convictions there it backs away from it it's like "Mm, maybe not um so no i for me it doesn't have any redeeming qualities other people may disagree I mean, again, that's why literature is great. But again, the, I suppose, be nice to my mum. Exactly. I suppose one good point is it it makes you think and it's a talking point. I mean, yes. The Brontes, I mean, they didn't get out a lot. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Emily <laughs> needed to get out more. I think maybe, do do we think that Emily Bronte was just like a travel writer that didn't get outside enough? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, or either that or she was surrounded by horrible men. I mean, yeah... Let's not get into that again, because I feel I covered that pretty extensively in the Rochester Yeah, Conundrum. yeah. I, I really worry that she didn't meet any nice men mm. in her life. And also that, that she had this idea that nice men are boring. Yes. And, and that is just not true. It's I mean, not. We've, we've discussed three very nice men, and you have a fourth... I have, uh, I with have your, a very nice fella, with your who lovely, I've also mentioned on the podcast. Your lovely fella. And these are really nice, kind, sweet, generous guys... They are very interesting. Phenomenally interesting. They are they are very interesting on a wide array of subjects. Mm-hmm. They're not boring, not no. in the slice. I mean, your dad's so blimmin' random, I never know what's <laughs> going to happen next. <laughs> They're not boring. I'm waiting for him to become a farrier. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, every time he says to me, I was thinking, I go, oh, oh. No. What's, what's he thinking? What am I going to have to make room for? <laughs> a potter's wheel. So it is a complete fallacy that nice mm-hmm. guys aren't interesting. Yes. And they're, they're just nice and they will treat you nice and, and care you for well. you. I and mean, yeah. I want to think that I have brought you up 
with enough self-esteem yeah. that if somebody treated you badly, you would kick them into touch, preferably before we kick him <laughs> into touch. Yes. I mean, of course. I mean, of course. We, no physical violence. But yes. We have exceeded 17 minutes. I do apologise. That's very, that's very fine. I'm sure my listeners will agree that listening to you properly rant... <laughs> about Wuthering Because what I've done in my last few podcasts, obviously, Northanger Abbey, I, you know, touched on bits of it. And then the Rochester conundrum was about a character. You covered a whole book that spans two generations that you have very strong opinions on. You'll notice I'm not even reading you parts of it because it makes me that angry. I will, in in the interest of 100% transparency, listeners, I have never read this book. um, And I never, ever, ever want to. Because mum told me about it and I wanted to lie down in a hole and die. It was awful. <laughs> so I think that we can agree that the best things to come out of Wuthering Heights are the Kate Bush song oh, yeah. and yeah. the Louise Renison parody of a 14-year-old girl going to performing arts school in Yorkshire, Wuthering Heights. Absolutely. Absolutely. I all- in fact, I would go as far as to say that I am not even going to put it in the freezer. <laughs> I am going to yeet it in the sea. (laughs) Joey wasn't even that upset when he found out that Beth died. Oh, well, I know. (laughs) Also, we'll see. Um, I've lost my thought. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'll I'll also say that the best thing about having listened to it on the Audible book is that Audible allows you to exchange your books if you don't like them (laughs) so i will be sending that one back and using the credit on something else get some falco to cleanse the palate yes lovely (laughs) mother it's been an absolute delight to have you on fake redhead talking cassie thank you for having me oh thank you Thank you for listening to the Mothering Heights episode of Fake Redhead Talking Fast. If you enjoyed me and my mother describing in detail her hatred of the classic Wuthering Heights, please head on over to Twitter and let me know what you thought at Redhead Fast Talk. And any other ideas that you have for podcast ideas, just stick them on there too. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening and I will speak soon. Bye.